You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. All right, what's going on, y'all? Slipped on that crush. I was going to sue y'all. No, I'm just kidding. If y'all see Sean start walling out while I'm preaching, that's because he shot down a whole can of soda pop at 10 o'clock in the morning. What's going on, Bethel? It's good to see y'all again. I'm always glad to be back with you. Where the seniors at in the house? That's how you know they singers. They don't care. They like, yeah, whatever. We just glad to be here. But I'm glad to see you all. I know we all went through a pandemic together. It's been incredible to watch this ministry, this university continue to thrive and to grow. I'm glad to be with y'all. I was laughing because always they mentioned that I was nominated for a Grammy. I lost. So we need to throw that part in there because I know what it feels like to be on the screen and they're going, and the nominees are, and then they say your name, and you so like you going through this whole motion of craziness. Like, what if I win? What do I say? Oh God, I gotta make sure I don't trip, I don't fall. What if I lose? I gotta clap for the person that won and act like I'm happy for him. <laughs> they were like, and the winner is Mary Mary. I was like, <laughs> so nah, it's all good. But again, I'm glad to be with you guys. I have a word this morning that I think is gonna be somewhat challenging. But that's my goal, is to challenge your thinking, your thought process, and make you walk away with something that's been implanted in your spirit that will have you seek God in a greater fashion. You guys, do me a favor. I want to turn to the easiest book in the Bible to find, Genesis. It's pretty simple. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15. I'm going to read it in the King James Version because that's pretty popular. Genesis 2 and 15, KJV says, And the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That just simply means God placed Adam in the garden to manage it and to take care of it. It was his responsibility. I want to talk about life management. That sounds incredibly crazy, especially in a spiritual institution. But one of the major components that we miss out on in life is the importance of learning how to navigate and manage your individual life. As believers, most times we place every emphasis on spiritual connectivity with God, which is priority. But when we grow in God, we learn that God always intended for humans to learn how to manage the life that he gave them. And most people who suffer in life suffer because of poor life management. They never learn how to do life. They never learn how to engage in relationships. They never maximize their talents, their abilities, and what they've been called to do. And so, consequently, in delusion, we place all of our efforts and emphasis on God assisting us when the Lord has empowered you to do things. In other words, we become lazy. We say, God, I need your help with my finances. And then he gives you a plan but you don't implement the plan. God, I need you to help me with this week's finals and this test. I need assistance. And he tells you, you're going to probably need to study. But as opposed to us accepting the responsibility of studying, we just want to sit back, go out, hang out with our friends, and ask the Holy Spirit to download information into our brain on that morning so we can resolve the issue. When the truth is, he gave you a brain for critical thinking. Intellect is a gift. The Bible says in the book of Job that it is the Holy Spirit that makes man intelligent. You can reference it and look it up for yourself. He's giving you a thought process. He's giving you the ability to utilize your power of choice to make decisions. God forces salvation on no one. 
From the very beginning of time, he placed a tree in the middle of the garden to show that you now have the choice on whether or not you want to love and serve him. Some would say, how much tyrancy does this God operate in? Why would he place that level of temptation? It wasn't temptation. It was just simply choice. Do you want me to be your God or not? Something has to be there that gives you the opportunity to pick and choose. So you've got to learn how to manage the moment. And Adam and Eve, unfortunately, made the wrong decision. The point in this life is you, young people, you have the opportunity to shift everything that's wrong with the world by first learning to love God, learning to love yourself, and understanding the power of love so that you can effectively love your neighbor and navigate this life. One of the most famous passages of Scripture and one of the most famous characters in the Bible is an individual by the name of Solomon. If you've never heard of him, you should probably research him or you're going to hear about him at some point. Solomon is considered to be the wisest man in the history of the world. The Bible says that God said concerning Solomon, I will make you wealthier and greater than any other king has ever been and will ever be. And so Solomon experiences wealth, power, and authority on a high level. Now, most people will tell you that Solomon prayed a prayer, and they tell you this. Solomon prayed and said, Lord, give me wisdom. He never prayed that prayer. If you read your Bible, you will never find a prayer where Solomon just simply said, Lord, give me wisdom, because he didn't. When you read about Solomon and you discuss his inherent uh, ability that was divine from God concerning wisdom, it came from a specified prayer. This is what he prayed. Lord, there's too many people out here in Israel for me to lead. I ask you for a specified wisdom. Give me the wisdom to lead your people. Now, why is that important? Because he didn't need all wisdom. He only needed a certain kind of wisdom to fulfill his purpose, to navigate his life, and to please God. I'm about to give you all the cheat code. In this life, there are three things you need to be concerned about, and it's not other people's business. Number one, you need to find out what does it take to please God. You're going to hear a lot of people tell you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. God absolutely loves you. That is without question. The problem is oftentimes we place such an emphasis on the love of God, we don't place an emphasis on the pleasure of God. Yes, God loves me, but is he pleased with me? So you've got to ask yourself, Lord, what do I need to do to please you first and foremost? My priority is give me the wisdom to please you. Number two, give me the wisdom, God, to fulfill my purpose, which would mean you got to reveal my purpose. Why am I here? What have I been placed on this earth to do? Some of you will be politicians, doctors, lawyers, athletes, entrepreneurs, construction workers, teachers, professors, preachers, uh, evangelists, etc. This is a diverse crowd. The goal in life is not to do what you want to do. The goal in life is to do what you're called to do. Because we all want to do something. I thought I was going to the NBA. Around eighth grade, I realized that wasn't happening, so I stopped that dream. But I found out what I was called to do. And when the Spirit of the Lord dealt with me about preaching at 18 years old, I told God, absolutely not. I do not want to do that. Which shows that oftentimes what we have been created to do does not always line up with our flesh and its desire. So you can't base it solely on what you want. You have to fall in line with what you've been designed to do. So, Lord, give me the wisdom to fulfill what I've been designed to do. And the third thing is, God, give me wisdom to navigate my life. How do I navigate this life? What am I supposed to implement? Solomon prayed the prayer. He said, Lord, give me the wisdom to lead your people. God spoke back to him. He said, that's interesting. You didn't pray for money. 
You didn't pray for me to kill your enemies. You didn't pray for all the things that other kings have prayed for. You actually prayed for something that makes me happy because he said, give me wisdom to lead your people, which means that, Lord, this is directly connected to what you love. He said, I want you to give me the insight necessary. And the Lord spoke to him and said, because you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you stuff you didn't even pray for. You're going to have wealth. You're going to have riches. You're going to have influence. You are going to be so prestigious in this world. People will travel from afar to see who you are. I got to encourage y'all. When you learn to line your life up with the things of God and what God desires you to do, he blesses you with things you didn't even ask for. Many of you are pursuing the wrong things. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. And when Jesus taught that, he was talking about very natural things, talking about provisions, talking about the money necessary to buy groceries and afford eggs, things that y'all ain't got to worry about right now, but at some point you're going to have to worry about that. And so he was wise enough in requests to pray for a simple thing. Give me the wisdom to lead the people. Well, someone said, that's wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. No, because in Ecclesiastes later, you find that Solomon starts saying, God, I've got too much wisdom. I've learned too much. How do you go from asking for a certain kind of wisdom to saying I have too much? Because when you read in Ecclesiastes, Solomon made a statement. He said, when I sought out my own wisdom, I became miserable, which means when I learned things I didn't need to learn, it made my life harder. The enemy's job, Satan's job, the devil's job, your adversary's job is to make you pursue pointless information that confuses you in life. That's the goal of social media, to bombard you with information you don't need, to make you question the existence of God, to make you question your purpose because some person is convincing in their argument and articulate in their speech. Now you're saying, well, that makes sense. Maybe God isn't real. Maybe it is the earth that we worship. Maybe it is the universe that we worship. No, you don't worship the universe. The universe was created to work for you. The Bible says that all of creation is moaning and groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. God created the universe, made it a program that whenever you start walking in purpose, things start lining up on your behalf. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. That's the goal. That's the purpose. That's the point. And he says, when you learn this and you navigate this way, then you begin to learn to manage. Solomon only became a bad king when he began to pursue things God didn't want him to pursue. But as long as he lined his life up with the assignment, which was simply this, give me the wisdom, lead your people, he was fine. Adam, when he was told to manage the garden, everything was wonderful. The moment he went in a different direction, his life went into chaos because he had been assigned and called to manage and to please God, to fulfill purpose and navigate life. I'll say it again for the person that just fell asleep. To please God, to fulfill purpose and to navigate life. Now, the question is, how is that applicable? Why, PJ? How do I navigate this life? How do I become all that God has called me to do in, and be and to do in this life? All right, I'm about to give y'all five things. Y'all ready? You might as well get ready for these lecture statements and notes. Y'all got cell phones. Take these notes. I'm trying to get y'all the cheat code. I'm pretty successful. You can trust me on this one, all right? There are five things you have to manage in this life. And if you don't manage them properly, you will make life much harder than it should be. We can be as spiritual as we want to, but God has given you the ability to properly manage your life if you apply. Most people have a plan, they just won't apply. So you have to have application. You've got to manage five things. You ready for this alliteration that all starts with T's? Number one, you have to manage your time. And as young people, that's something that a lot of y'all don't manage very well. You got to chapel 16 minutes late. You got to learn to manage your time. Your time is your life. Your time is your moments. Your time is your schedule. Nobody's going to manage it for you. 
you have to be responsible to do that. You've got to manage your time. The second thing that you've got to learn to manage is your talent. All of you have a skill, an ability, you have a gift. And when you receive the skill, the ability, and the gift, God gives it to you, but he's not going to manage it for you. You have to learn how to manage that. And let me say this to all of you that are talented, gifted, and skilled. You better remember this. You have to stay sharp, you have to stay current, and you have to stay humble. I don't care how good you are at basketball, you better stay sharp, keep getting better. I don't care how smart you are in a class right now, there will come a point in your life where you will need more information. you got to stay sharp. You have to stay current. That means you have to know what's going on around you. People become irrelevant because they don't remain current. They don't know what's happening. There are those who refuse to listen to Elevation Worship. They won't listen to Maverick City. We're only going to sing the songs in the hymn books. And then they say, well, I don't understand why these young people don't come to church because you're not current. They don't know those songs. There is a currency that is not wrong in the sight of God. You have to learn to stay current. And then the third thing is when God blesses you and he promotes you, you got to stay humble. Humility is your responsibility. Ain't nobody going to make you humble. You got to do that. So you have to be humble in your elevation, your increase, your financial status. Those of you that gain influence, you have to remain humble. So I've got to manage my talent. The third thing that I have to manage is my treasure. That's my responsibilities in life. That's my finances. Those are my material things. All of these things have to be managed. I have a friend who just got a car a year and a half ago, and the engine is already bad. And I said, how did the engine go out already? But then when I saw how they drive the car, I'm like, okay, now I understand why the engine went out. Because they did not manage something as simple as a vehicle by not slamming on the brakes, not getting the oil changed, jerking the wheel left and right. The car is unnecessarily damaged because of poor management. Finances are something that young people are not taught to manage. And we need to learn to manage our finances because we live in this economy where it requires resource for trade. So you gotta learn this stuff. These are things that most people are not gonna teach you. You gotta learn your responsibilities, how to pay a bill, how not to get a credit card in college when you don't have a job and you can't afford to make the payment. It's very quiet in this room right now. So you've gotta learn to manage your treasure. The fourth thing you gotta learn to manage is your temple. Your temple is your body. Your body is so precious. And most of us don't know how precious our bodies are because we put anything in it, from food that we eat to drugs. We involve ourselves physically and sexually with people that we probably shouldn't be connected with at all that damage us emotionally and physically. We don't take care of our bodies. Now listen, y'all, I'm 44 years old. I know I look like I'm younger. Yeah, that's what it is. But I'm still 44 years old. And the other day, some of the young people at our church asked me to play basketball with them. I said, if y'all want to play pig, we can do that. But other than that, I'm not running up and down. See, I'm a little older. Y'all walk across ice with no fear. If I see ice, I do just like this and make sure everything is all right before I take another step. Because I don't get up as fast. But the reality of it is, in my older age, I have to go to the gym. I hate going to the gym. I don't enjoy it. It is not a, you know, y'all take TikTok videos, y'all posing in front of mirrors doing all of that. I'm trying to get in and get out. I don't enjoy it. But I found that if I exercise just 20 to 30 minutes a day, my physical body feels better. And God gave me this temple, so I've got to take care of it. And the fifth thing I've got to manage is my tree. What is that? My family, my relationships, my interactions. This is intentional. If I want to have healthy friendships, I can't gossip. If I want to have healthy friendships, I can't betray the trust of those who instill secrets into my ears, hoping that I can be a safe place for them. I've got to keep my word. I can't lie and say I'm going to do something that I don't do. So all of this is required for management of life. 
But most people don't implement any management. And then as they get older, they make poor decisions and their life goes into chaos and they blame the devil. When the truth is, oftentimes it's not the devil. It's us not understanding the importance of managing and taking care of what God has given us. Adam was told, here's the garden. I gave it to you. Now manage it. Adam mismanaged it and things went into chaos. Solomon, what do you desire, Lord? Give me the wisdom to lead your people. Okay, I'm going to give you that. Now I need you to manage what I've given you. And unfortunately, he mismanaged it and ended up in a lot of trouble. David was a shepherd on the backside of a mountain. Nobody knew who he was. He was from a place unknown. Listen to me when I tell you, it does not matter where you start. If God's hand is on your life, he will reveal you at the right time. So there are those that will tell you, well, you know what, you'll never be successful at a higher level athletically because Bethel is a small school. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God will expose you right where you are because when he has an assignment on your life, he knows how to put a light on your life. You can be successful coming from anywhere. You can be successful coming from any background. This is why Jesus was intentionally born in a manger to show you that the lowest level has nothing to do with where you ascend to. That you could be born in a barn and still be the king of kings. That God has great things in store for you. But David, in being on the backside of the mountain, pushed up to the forefront because God anointed him to be king. He eventually goes from being a measly shepherd to being the most powerful man in Israel, which at that time represented being one of the most powerful men in the world. The same David finds himself caught up in illicit, lustful acts. He's walking on the rooftop of a house one day his big castle, and he's just looking at everybody else's houses and the Bible, your Bible. The Bible is a very, very uh, messy book. He sees a woman bathing. She has on no clothes. And as opposed to him looking away, David decided to take a little longer look. And he said, man, she is fine, and she is nice, and she is thick. And they said, king, huh? What? He said, you shouldn't be looking at her. That's your friend's wife. He said, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be looking at that. And he kept on looking at that like a whole lot of y'all. And the Bible says he looked so long that he decided, I want her. The issue is not looking. The issue is the inability to look away. There are things you're going to see, and there's no, you have no control over it. You're going to see it. But the restraint and the management of the temple is saying, you know what? I got to look away. I can't allow that to pervert my thought because if I gaze at it too long, I'll want to involve myself in something that's not God's best for me. And now David tells this married woman to come to his house, and the Bible says he has sex with her. He gets her pregnant. Her husband is off at war. Now David is in a quandary. He's literally got a real Housewives of Atlanta situation going on in the Bible, trying to figure out how to navigate the situation. And the Bible says that David has her husband eventually killed because of a fear of being exposed. He marries the woman. Things go into chaos. What is the point of this? The point is, when he was on the backside of the mountain, he was humble. He was a shepherd. He just wanted to please God. But as soon as his status started to increase, and he went from being a shepherd to being a mighty warrior who killed Goliath to being a mighty general in the Lord's army who took out thousands of soldiers to being in the king's palace and to being a person of prominence and eventually to being the ruler of Israel, somewhere down the line he started mismanaging his life. He started losing track of what was important. He started to honestly think that he was the man. And in that process, God didn't come down and say, I'm going to make you be humble, David. No, David had to make the decision to listen. He's sitting on his throne one day. No conviction. He don't care. I just killed one of my friends. I just married his wife. 
I'm that dude, so what? An old prophet comes. Old prophet by the name of Nathan. And Nathan comes walking in. David is happy to see him because Nathan is David's pastor. And Nathan comes, he says, my king, may I speak to you? David says, yeah, all right. What you want to talk about? He says, uh, I want to tell you a story, king. And David says, all right, go ahead, tell me the story. Nathan says, there was a man who had hundreds of sheep. Now, this story is immediately one that captivates David's attention. Why? Because he was a shepherd. He says, he had hundreds of sheep. David says, go on. He said, and this man would tend to his sheep, take care of his sheep, and he had much money. But there was another man who only had one little sheep, and he loved the little sheep. He raised the sheep almost as if it was his own child. He had such adoration for the sheep, and David sat listening because he remembered his time as a shepherd and how he loved his sheep and how he delivered the sheep out of the mouths of lions and bears and how he would protect the sheep with his life. His heart was literally invested in the story. And he says, but one day, the man with a hundred sheep and hundreds of sheep came to the man who only had one sheep and took his sheep away from him. And David looked and said, is this story true? If this story is true, whoever did that, they're going to suffer this day. And Nathan looked and said, that would be you. And David said, I'm sorry, what? He said, that would be you. You had everything that God gave you to manage, but you mismanaged it because you went after something that wasn't yours. You navigated away from your purpose in life pursuing something that wasn't for you, and now you have ruined someone else's life. He said, David, the story is about you. God calls you to greatness, and you decided, I'm not going to manage my time. I'm not going to manage my talent. I'm not going to manage my temple. I'm not going to manage my treasure. I'm not going to manage my tree. I'm just going to flow through life and do whatever I want to do because it's not important for me to figure out what pleases God anymore. It's not important for me to figure out how to fulfill my purpose. It's not important for me to figure out how to navigate my life. I'm going to ruin somebody else's life by doing something outside of God's will for me. The Bible says that David sat back in his chair. And he realized what he had done. And that's where he pins the famous psalm. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew the right spirit in me. Take not thy Holy Spirit away. He was broken. He was hurting because he had realized he had fallen short. That's the good news, that God still receives us when we get off path. And you got to know that because as you manage this life, y'all, you're going to make mistakes. Anybody that tells you that you're not going to make mistakes is delusional and they are not being truthful with you. In this life, you're going to mess up sometimes. You may date the wrong person. You may inter interact with the wrong people. You're going to make poor financial decisions and buy some stuff you don't need to buy. But the beautiful thing about our God is he is merciful, he is loving, he is forgiving, and he will put you right back on track. Now, here's the issue. Y'all ready for this? It doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. Because in life, the more poor decisions we make, the more consequences we have. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. With Jesus, life may have consequences, but it does not have condemnation. That means that no matter what you do, you still belong to God. No matter how you fall short, he still loves you. He's still going to use you. But we want to make better decisions so we have less consequences. And David experienced unnecessary consequences from going away from the direction that God had called him to go. Solomon ends up experiencing unnecessary consequences for going in a direction that was not God's best for him. Adam and Eve experienced unnecessary consequences because of poor life management. I need y'all to hear me today as I come to a close that this is an opportunity for you to take a deep thought. 
and say, what have I been placed on this earth to do? I don't really know. That's why you get to go to God and say, God, show me what I've been called to do. What's my purpose? Why am I here? I don't have to be hateful. I don't have to be racist. I don't have to be ignorant. I don't have to be vengeful. I don't have to be bitter. These are things I choose to do. I don't have to dislike somebody because they don't think like I think. Maybe we can have a mature conversation and grow in our thinking together. I don't have to be lazy. I can get up and make it to class on time. I can manage my time if I wanted to do it. I don't have to eat this at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking there's no repercussion. There ain't no repercussion now. You're 19, but wait till you get 44. Hot dogs at 3 a.m. don't cut it no more. You got to learn to navigate. I don't have to open up and give this person my body because they say, if you don't do this, then I won't be with you. Then you just ain't going to be with me. I don't need you. You've got to learn to navigate your life and minimize consequences by making better decisions. And when you do that, and when you really pray, God, show me what is my purpose. Show me how to please you. Show me how to navigate my life. And you manage the time that you have. I promise you guys, you will live a life that is so fulfilling. It's not absent bad days, but you'll have way more good days. If you learn this stuff at a young age, you'll miss out on so many of the problems that many of us older people have gone through that I wish I would have had somebody stand up. I wish I had a Sean. I wish I had an environment like this. We didn't have this. When we were growing up in church, it was emphasis on older people, not younger people. What? No youth ministry and youth bands and youth church and youth trips. None of that. We slept on the back pew and couldn't wait for church to be over. But now you have settings and environments where there's investment in you, people speaking into you, people encouraging you because we want to see you live God's best life for you. So it's up to you today whether or not you'll manage your life. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads with me? It doesn't make you any deeper. It just takes your focus off everybody else around you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am so appreciative of this opportunity to stand in front of this illustrious, incredible group of young people who have so much potential. They have so much power. They have so much ability on the inside of them, but one of the greatest and the most sad things I've ever seen is a graveyard full of potential. Young people that have left here before their time that had the potential to be presidents, the potential to be CEOs, the potential to be world changers, the potential to literally shift the dynamic of this evil culture into something that represents the kingdom of God and they never tapped into it because they didn't manage their lives. I pray that this is a memorable moment for somebody in this room, that 20 years from now they will look back and say, I don't even remember the preacher's name, but I remember what he said about taking control and managing my life, and here I am pleasing God. I pray that they will remember this interaction. Whether they remember me or not, let this word resonate in their hearts, that you have called them to manage their life, and in doing so, they will manifest your greatness and fulfill the purpose you have placed on the inside of them. In Jesus' name. Good to see you, Bethel. Y'all have a great day today. Amen. Thank you, YPJ. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes Store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.